Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we will talk about our members, about success stories, best practices, and strategies for faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of pharmacy workforce. My name is Amanda Binkley, and today we'll be chatting with Nishemini Kazbaker, who is the Chief Pharmacy Officer at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center, Jessica Starr, who is an Associate Clinical Professor at Auburn University, Harrison College of Pharmacy, and a Residency Program Director at Princeton Baptist, Matthew Hinton, who is an Emergency Medicine Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at Penn Presbyterian Medical Center, and Dominique Fields, who is a Director of Experiential Education at Jefferson College of Pharmacy, about the best practices for collaboration between colleges of pharmacy and health system institutions. Thank you for joining us today. The first topic we will discuss is looking at students and their knowing their academic background is closely tied to their performance of experience during rotations. We know that collaboration between schools and practice sites, particularly the preceptors, is an important to ensure a well-rounded education for students who have both academic and practical skills. Wondering and would like to get everyone's thoughts about how does your college and school of pharmacy gather and reflect on ideas from preceptors and health system leaders on how to best position students to be appy ready. Dominique, if you wanted to start with this question and then we'll flow on to Jessica. So I would say first and foremost would be our evaluations. I feel, you know, we make sure that we go in and we review them to see if we find any trends. We do evaluations of the preceptor. We have students do self-evaluations and we have the preceptor do one of the student at midpoint and final. And a lot of times we can gain information from that. The students, I'm sure you've seen, can be a little harder on themselves. We made the self-evaluation within the preceptor's evaluation. We found that that was a little bit easier. So you can see, engage where the student feels they are in terms of readiness. And that allows the preceptor to kind of reel them back in if they're not really self-aware of their preparedness. But it also lets them know, look, you're really doing good in this area. Um, I would, you know, do X, Y, and Z to improve it. So, you know, that was one of the things that we had worked on. So the self-evaluation with the evaluation. But we also have a preceptor advisory council that meets. Our goal is to meet twice a year. We've been able to do that. We originally met once a year. And that's made up of a diverse group of preceptors just to kind of give us a sampling from all the different appy rotation types. So hospital preceptors, AMCARE preceptors, you know, our electives, inpatient. And it's those preceptors that we, you know, call upon to, you know, either let them know new things that we might be trying to institute or, you know, we ask them one of the agenda items is student preparedness and how do they perceive the students in terms of being prepared for presentations or um, how do they fare in terms of their drug information question answering and, and you know, things of that sort. So and then we always have an, an open topic discussion, which is usually pretty, pretty interesting to see amongst all the different types and areas of pharmacy. Great. Thank you for that. I, th- I think the self-evaluation is so important for, for students and, and that's something that they're going to be able to take with them as they go on to practice as a pharmacist. So that's great to see that's being started during the school and the College of Pharmacy is, is supporting that. 
Jessica, do you have any other thoughts? Absolutely. I echo what Dominique said from the evaluation standpoint. Our college takes that very seriously. Um, and I think it's invaluable to hear what the students have to say about their preceptors and practice sites. We don't have an advisory council in the way Dominique described it, but our experiential program director does do twice a year meetings. Um, we do ours region based because our college has a little bit different model with our students rotating in different areas of the state. But you can similarly do it with rotation-based type groups, but the purpose is to bring any area preceptor from all areas, whether it's the community, like health system, clinical rotations, we bring them together along with the full-time faculty to talk about expectations and changes within the APPE year, but also to get that verbal feedback about what's going well, what's not going well, where are students struggling, do we have any big themes, and then that can be taken back to the college to make sure that we're doing things so that our students are prepared to best enter that APPE year. And I think the other thing that our college does, not as often, but about once every 12 to 18 months, our department chair from pharmacy practice, along with some higher stakeholders in the experiential education, even above like the director level, will go and make site visits at the hospital to have that face time with pharmacy directors, other clinical pharmacists sort of in their practice setting to get direct feedback that way as well, that we can just make sure that we're meeting the needs of the institutions helping train our students. That's great. You know, as a, as a preceptor, it, it's fantastic to hear that the feedback is being requested and taken back for consideration for how we can support and better prepare the students for their upcoming happy rotations. Wonderful. Let's move on to the second topic of today. So we know one of the biggest stressors that we hear from practice and education leaders is related to the practice readiness of students post-graduation. Again, this usually refers to how equipped students are to jump into a pharmacist role after school. So wondering your thoughts, how have you worked together between the schools of pharmacy and health systems to design robust opportunities that facilitate students' readiness to practice in health systems? And are there any opportunities that you have identified to help better prepare the student during these advanced practice learning experiences? And Matt, if you want to take this and then we'll pivot over to Dominique. Absolutely. One of the ways that our hospitals try to tackle this um, recently is by developing a matrix program. So we actually have paired or partnered with some of our local colleges of pharmacy to find students that are interested in completing multiple like consecutive rotations at our site. Um, and by doing this, we get a lot of there's a lot of benefit to, to doing it this way. The students actually get some continuity between rotations as they you know, gain momentum and confidence that really strengthens their performance on their rotations. It also exposes them to some opportunities that they might not get if they're just doing a one-off rotation. They get to be involved in some more longitudinal projects that can like more fully immerse them in the Department of Pharmacy at our hospital. And then and we also try to incorporate some longitudinal uh, programs where we talk about professional development type topics. So we'll tackle things like clinical communication or, or professional communication in a clinical setting where we really try to build upon the foundations that the schools have laid for us um, and try to apply those to actual clinical scenarios. That's great. Thanks, Matt. I think this, you know, the matrix program, I think has been a great opportunity for us and, and really 
appreciated by the students and the preceptors. Dominique, do you have any other thoughts? I am definitely a fan of the matrix. I know in my previous practice before coming over to academia, we had matrix students. And so I was very happy to be able to partner with Matt and his health system to provide matrix opportunities for our students. But I agree. I feel anywhere from the obvious building upon each rotation, you know, the six weeks we tell the students it goes fast and then, you know, they kind of roll their eyes at us and they feel that, you know, six weeks is a long time until they're in it and it's over in the blink of an eye. And, you know, I feel that when they are able to do a second and third, possibly fourth rotation at a specific site, they really get a more in-depth picture and they build upon versus having to start over at each site. So, you know, I have found that the matrix is very beneficial for the students, especially those that are thinking about going into either residency or going to work in a health system. They could possibly, you know, do scholarly activities and research because they're there for a longer period of time. Another thing that we have that just as an aside to that is we have a something called SPEP, which is uh, student pharmacist enrichment program. And that encourages the students to do things outside to further along their, you know, careers when they're out. So things that they may not be getting during their experiential or things that they may not be getting during their didactic, if, you know, basically forces them, but they like it once we they do it, um, to ask their preceptors for opportunities for growth and something that, you know, potentially they could, you know, attend that might help them be a little bit more prepared for when they do get out and practice. And it could be healthcare, you know, system related. It could be, you know, in the industry for those that are fellowship driven um, or even community. So, you know, like I said, the students kind of groan initially about it, but we tell them it's our way of forcing them to be a well-rounded, prepared student. <laughs> Wonderful. It, it sounds like those are some great opportunities for students. And I think that the matrix program and the collaboration that you two, you know, discussed is a great example of what can be done and the collaboration between colleges of pharmacy and health systems. So thank you for sharing that. Moving on to our next topic. As we've discussed, we know experiential education is crucial for student development. We know it takes a lot of work and responsibility to host students on rotation. However, we know students can also be assets to any organization. So I wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Nish and Jessica, about what benefits you perceive um, or have experience of having students at your practice site, and any examples of how you can utilize students or have utilized students to help you with your workload. Nish, we'll start with you, please. Great. So pharmacists have a, a wide range of career opportunities in healthcare, and I think that rotations really allow a student to see various aspects of the pharmacy enterprise. So it really gives them a global understanding of the impact of pharmacists, how pharmacists interact with providers, leadership, how pharmacists interact with patients, most importantly. I think students also bring a fresh mindset or a, a view that can be very valuable to the preceptor because it allows the preceptor to maybe see things in a different lens that they would not ordinarily see. But lastly, you know, students cultivate a future talent for hiring and for our residency program. So, so I think there are tremendous benefits with having students at our practice site. In terms of workload, I would say that there's a couple things I think about before I think about workload. The reason to basically have rotations, why do we have rotations? And it's really so that students can apply what they've learned in, in pharmacy school. So basically the art and science and kind of 
build that and bring it to a dynamic practice setting, I think is really important. It's important for me to think about this as not giving the students busy work, if you will, but really to set expectations and project assignments that give them an understanding of how their input impacts patient care, the Department of Pharmacy, and then the organization or or the health system as a whole. I also think it's important for students to have supervised autonomy so that they feel the impact of what they're doing, they feel satisfaction, they develop their own interactions with key stakeholders in the pertinent setting that they're working in. So that could be providers, it could be nurses, it could be pharmacy leaders, it could be patients, but either way that they're building those relationships. And then lastly, if all of those things are done correctly, I I think, yeah, students can assist with workload reduction so that preceptors are then able to handle other tasks. Wonderful. Thanks, Nish. I think those were all great points that you brought up, especially how students can benefit the the hospitals and the institutions and the benefit to having those students help us with patient care and also promoting the future of pharmacy. Jessica, do you have any other thoughts? I'd echo a lot of what Nish had to say. I don't like to be at the hospital without students. I have found that if you empower them, have very strong orientation in the beginning and really set those expectations, they can really be extenders of care for you. I am a full-time faculty member with a practice site, so I'm busy in different ways than you know, maybe my direct, um, my pharmacist co-workers at the hospital, but I have found that the pharmacy students, you know, can be present for longer on rounds or in the ICU for longer periods of time than I'm able to be and really be my eyes and ears and help me provide continuity in that care all day long that I'm not able to do. And then I think there's also other benefits too of some of those task-oriented things that are excellent for patient care and have to get done, like medication reconciliation on admission or discharge counseling, and they can really be a valuable asset in those areas to make sure patients don't fall through the cracks and those tasks get done. And that can be a really independent and autonomous experience for the students to kind of start developing their confidence in those ways. And then I think most colleges of pharmacy also have projects and tasks that students have to complete before graduation. They might have to do so many, you know, journal clubs or so many patient presentations or in-services, that type of thing. And if you can be organized enough, maybe you're a you know, a pharmacist that has to do a PNT monograph next month, or you have to do an MUE over the next six months, you can figure out ways to integrate students into those. So they're also completing their experiential requirements, but then you're also getting some of the legwork done on the projects that you have to do longitudinally with your practice. So I think there's just lots of ways that you can really empower them, utilize them, and that can offset some of your day-to-day activities. Great. Thank you so much. I think you highlighted too, I think figuring out different ways to get the students involved, you know, and I really like your ideas of getting them involved in doing monographs and and other things that need to be done that can benefit them. Depending on where they go to practice in the future, they will be having, you know, required to, to work on those. And so that really is setting them up for success in the future. So wonderful. Thank you. Our next question is looking at typically are often organizations host not only one learner um, at the same time, we may have IPIs, APIs, pharmacy residents, you know, at different knowledge or experience levels. So wondering how your institutions take advantage of layered learning to really maximize the learning opportunities for these students. 
residents and learners. Matt, we'll start with you and then go to you, Jessica. Sure. I think as preceptors, one of the things that we try to do to, to maximize layered learning is to be really thoughtful about uh, where the the students are in their level or where they are in their rotations or where they are in their uh, level of training. You know, and really trying to match the the roles and responsibilities, the activities to where they're at. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, when I have students, I, I like to ask them if they're a second or third year student, hey, what have you learned in, in school since the last time I saw you, right? And to really trying to match those to, you know, some of the clinical activities that you would see in the emergency department. I'm using the ED because that's my practice site. So, and just really being cognizant of those things. So for example, if I just go through, I might have my second or third years focusing a lot on mechanisms of action where I'm having my, my appy learner focus on how these drugs fit into the management of the patient. And if I'm lucky enough to have a, a PGY1 or PGY2 on rotation with me, maybe I'll even have them provide some institutional context as to what's on our formulary, what are institutional guidelines and things of that nature. So I think that it, it works really well, but I think that you have to as a preceptor, really think through the level of experience of your of your learners to try to maximize uh, that learning experience. Great. I loved how you were able to give examples, you know, of how you've incorporated layered learning um, into your practice. And I think the students and the residents that, you know, I've had the opportunity to interact with have really appreciated it as well. Jessica, do you have any other uh, thoughts as to how you've integrated layered learning into your practice? Sure. Again, uniquely as a full-time faculty member, I almost always have students. And then as a residency program director, I almost always have, or I do always have a resident um, and maybe a PGY1 or a PGY2. So I'm always challenged with this task of having fourth-year students and a resident, and then at very different levels, because we do have PGY1s and twos together. But what I have found, again, is just to really use that as an advantage. Um, I sort of set the expectation and it does change a little bit, like Matt was saying, with where we are in both the APPE year and the residency year, but that expectation that our resident can be our first point of contact. They're there in the early morning hours. The students are. I come in a little bit later. So they're a little team together before I arrive or the students kind of running the show before we go, you know, make rounds um, on the floor with the physicians. My resident is a great source to train and teach the students to do some of those activities that I mentioned earlier, like how to do medication reconciliation in our EMR or how to, you know, write our templated kinetic notes and we have in, in our EMR. And so that gives this, the residents some autonomy with the students early on in a residency year when maybe they're not ready to actually precept yet. And then, of course, as we move through the residency year and APPE year, they can take on even more responsibility of giving feedback to the students and kind of gaining a little bit more of that preceptor experience as well. So I think there's always a way you can make the dynamic work and work in your favor, which just being mindful of what those activities are and you know what the resident can handle during the residency year. Perfect. Thank you. And I appreciate how you were able to incorporate the layered learning with also incorporating those additional activities that you had mentioned previously, helping the students, having the students help in your practice site, et cetera. Great. So the next topic for us to cover is preceptor development. You know, we have to ensure not only our students are ready for APIs, but it's also important to ensure that our preceptors are equipped to challenge and nurture these learners. So from the school and college of pharmacy lens, wondering how your institution disseminates and organizes preceptor development activities, particularly how do you prepare 
preceptors to both teach and evaluate learners. Dominique, if you wanted to get started on this question. I want to say like a layered approach to our preceptor development. You know, we start with a personalized preceptor onboarding. So, you know, we'll welcome the preceptors initially, but we like to do an orientation with them just prior to them having their first student with us. And this way we can give them some resources if they need sample or template rotations for them. And, you know, we like to then point out the other areas that we have, like we have a, a, a continuing education program right within our experiential platform that they use. Um, it's an external resource, but they can click onto it and it has most free CEs, you know, some of them need to be paid for, but they're CEs for them to then go ahead and, you know, utilize for themselves. They can utilize for their students. We try to do a monthly, you know, highlight of something that we find, you know, pertinent to them in their daily functions as either a practitioner or as a preceptor. We have a CE on the go, which was halted a little bit during COVID, but we're hoping to get it back up and running. And what that is, is a pro it's, essentially a two hour CE program, live CE that we have accredited that we can go out and, you know, we have it for three years and we go out and try to hit like four different sites a year. And we try to separate it out, you know, and do a health system, a community, you know, try to hit the diverse populations. And some of the things we do is one of the topics was about layered learning and how to, you know, get the most out of making your student a pharmacy extender. So those types of things. And then we have an annual CE program, which our preceptor advisory council, they usually are the ones that give us the ideas. Like, what do you want for your preceptor development? That used to be on site, but it's been virtual. We, we have been able to continue that. And one of the things we just did recently was how to get social savvy, because that's the, the latest craze is to utilize social media and teaching. So those ideas we get from the preceptors. So what do you want us to, you know, give you so that this way you can use it, you know, feedback, whatever. So those are the layered, I guess, different ways that we try to give them preceptor development. Fantastic. I think as a preceptor, it's great that you offer both your live CE opportunities, as well as those on-demand CEs, you know, to continue for preceptors to be able to continue to foster their, their development and growth as a preceptor for students and, and not only just students, but, you know, residents, et cetera. Matt, I would like to get your take on what the institutions have done with regards to preceptor development to help support their preceptors and precepting both students and residents. Well, I'd love to talk about that. So what we've done as an institution is kind of build upon some of the other resources like Dominique mentioned before um, and have quarterly preceptor development series where we actually get together as a group of the preceptors and a lot of times just have roundtable discussions focused specifically on things like giving feedback, completing evaluations. And what we found, it's been really beneficial because as Dominique mentioned, a lot of our preceptor development in the past has been virtual due to the nature of healthcare right now, but we've gotten to be together more recently. And so I think a lot of organic conversations come out of those sessions and we get to learn a lot of strategies from each other. And it's been really beneficial. And another thing that we've tried to do even more recently is really focus on preceptor, you know, well-being, right? Because it can be a huge stressor to have, you know, multiple learners at once or learners back to back to back. And we really want to create an environment where we're taking care of our preceptors. We're, and by doing that, we're giving the learners the most 
optimal or the best uh, situation when they come onto rotation. So, you know, it's one thing to have the skills to be able to to precept. There's, it's kind of another thing sometimes to have the will or the stamina to keep doing it, right? So um, we've had sessions recently where we talk about, you know, strategies for resilience and well-being and things of that nature. And I think that it's it's been uh, really beneficial for our preceptor group at our institution. Wonderful. Thank you. It it sounds like, you know, there's opportunity at both the institutional level as well as from the colleges of pharmacy to really help support our preceptors. And I think the combination of those together will help continue our preceptor development for those preceptors. Our last question or topic of today, you know, while we know collaboration is, is the goal, we recognize that schools of pharmacy and schools and colleges of pharmacy have different modes of operation and priorities. So wondering what challenges you have encountered in trying to create opportunities for collaboration between colleges of pharmacy and their respective health systems. And if there's any closing advice you have for those wanting to further their ties with their counterparts. Nish, I'll start with you. Sure. I think it's important for both the health system pharmacies as well as the schools of pharmacy to have a collaborative interaction so that we can meet and kind of understand each other's goals. I think having a forum potentially where we can proactively meet to talk about what's happening on both sides and then maybe innovate to develop either new ideas, new rotations, ways to use students in in kind of different manners is really what I think may be a good suggestion for a number of for schools and health systems to kind of engage in. I think one of the challenges we all face is really just that there are a number of schools of pharmacy and each pharmacy school has a different model. They have a different calendar. So I think it makes integration challenging for a health system to have students from different areas. I think the other thing from a student perspective is we often hear that I don't want to work in health system. And so it's hard for students to stay focused and inspired in rotations that they may not necessarily be interested in. And so I think that's a challenge and one that maybe we can we can partner because doing these rotations as well as the exposure to areas they may not be interested in won't hurt them in the long run. And I think we need to kind of focus on on explaining that a little bit. The last thing, I think that we're in challenging times. We're recovering from a pandemic. We're we're seeing decreased um, engagement, enrollment in residency programs or pharmacy schools. And so one of the areas I think is a area that we could collaboratively work on together is how do we inspire younger students, either in elementary schools or middle schools, working collaboratively to kind of engage interest in our profession and, you know, eventually just help us with recruiting in the long run. Great. Thank you for that feedback, Nish. I agree. I really, I think the idea of creating forums for discussion with the health systems and the colleges of pharmacy is a great idea and something that, you know, those looking to start a collaboration and build kind of a program together would be a great opportunity or great starting place. Jessica, I'd like to get your thoughts if you have any additional comments to add or things that you've seen that you found worked well or challenges that you've encountered. Absolutely. I would echo everything Nish said from a student perspective. And I think it goes back to some of the first things I said in this conversation today about having meetings and not necessarily with just experiential education, but how our department chair from pharmacy practice will make visits. But I also thought a lot about um, when you were asking this question about also the relationship between colleges, like the faculty who come into practice sites, maybe to help precept. And I think 
sometimes that can be challenging. Um, and whether it's students or faculty, that was more personal to me because I am a faculty member practicing in a health system that's not affiliated with my college. Um, you know, you have to have really good communication. It really back boils down to that and what the expectations are from both sides. Um, I don't think it's completely realistic to think that a faculty member in a hospital is going to look exactly like the pharmacist there or vice versa. And the same goes with students. So, you know, what can we do to help the health system from a college standpoint? If maybe I can't be there doing consults for nine hours, I, and I run a residency program for them. So there's some give and take that I think if we can all come to an understanding of why the job might look different or what the students do might be a little bit different as they extend care. And that's okay, as long as the needs of everyone, you know, ultimately is is being met, just being open to that idea of things may look different and how can we work together to make it a good experience and a collaborative experience for all. Wonderful. Thank you. As you were talking, I almost envision, you know, as a preceptor, non-faculty member, creating some sort of meeting or, or discussion between the faculty members, non-faculty members, preceptors, et cetera, to see how we can collaborate together to precept the students, accomplish what we need to and further their learning. So I think those are all great ideas that, that we can take with and look into putting into practice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for all the discussion today. This was fantastic. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's Educator Resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings, such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. Thanks again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And be sure to subscribe to ASHP Podcast, your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.